Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Buffy Virgin. We're doing our season four recap. Uh, I'm your host, Dennis St. John, and with me as always is the gang. Why don't you guys introduce yourself in order from the most amount of cats you had in high school to the least? Okay, so I'm, I'm first, I'm Travis. I had more than two cats, according to my friends, although I only had two cats in real life. Um, they looked so identical, it was like I had a dozen cats in my house. My name's John. I had uh, one cat in high school. Her name was Trigger, and uh, may she rest in peace. My name's Michael. I had one cat for a brief period of time. It was from the theater that my mom was performing at, and it only lived with us for a couple of months. It was Sir Thomas, and then it passed. It just came to our place to retire <laughs> from being alive. And I've only seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer up to season four. <laughs> up to all of season four. All uh, of it, yeah. So <laughs> before we uh, do our recap for the season, uh, let's do reactions to the last episode that aired, which was um, Where the Wild Things Are. Audience reactions. All right. Uh, so this episode, I guess, starred uh, Maya Kobabe. Co um, and we got a lot of good reactions to uh, Air's presence. Uh, so Brian Shields says, uh, very cool podcast. Totally enjoyed listening. Thanks for having Maya Kobabe on. Uh, Jill Cross says, uh, really enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Very interesting and insightful discussion. Thumbs up. Maya was a great guest. Uh, okay. Um, so Rich, at first... Um, gets into the hell math and he says, uh, episode 12 was Buffy's birthday. So we're definitely in the spring semester now. Uh, cause there was some discussion about time that episode. Um, and then he says, uh, but I want to give Maya 100% for the hell math. Uh, great guest, thoughtful Buffy fan. Uh, and then <laughs> says, now I've listened to the entire episode and it's possibly the best one yet. Maya really classed this podcast up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Maya for coming on. And then um, I got an email from Cheryl, who's a listener who's just catching up. She says, very much enjoy the podcast in the process of catching up. I'm currently listening to Pangs and wanted to comment on the group, wondering why Willow was so opposed to Anya. I think you're forgetting about the Doppelgangland episode. Anya tried to use Willow to regain possession of her power center and as a result brought Vampire Willow to Sunnydale. Anya also sold out Willow in the scene in the bronze where she's trying to clear out the maps. I think if anyone should have a problem with Anya, it's Willow. So that was a thoughtful uh, answer to a question that was posed. Uh, I don't no idea when, but in the past. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it was in Pangs, because yeah. oh, that's what they said. <laughs> but you're Pangs. totally right, Cheryl. Awesome catch. Cool. All right. Um, so, Mike, why don't you do a uh, season four episode recap where you briefly explain every single episode? The summary. So these are just the highlights so we can keep them in our minds as we get into the discussion of the season four. There are 22 episodes in season four. So this is a brief recall of what's in those episodes. So we started out season four, episode one, which is the freshman, actually the first appearance of Riley and Walsh. There's a potential new boyfriend for Buffy who was killed in that episode. We meet the excellent Sunday, the vampire and her gang. And we learned that Xander did not go on his road trip. Episode two was Living Conditions. That's the roommate demon episode. And it's also an episode where Giles and Xander wrongly assume that Buffy is possessed. At the end, Buffy and Willow become roommates. After that, we have The Harsh Light of Day, another amazing episode with Harmony. Spike and Harmony are together for some reason, and they are searching for the Gem of Amara, which is beneath campus somewhere. Episode four is Fear Itself. That's the fraternity Halloween party episode with accidental ritual activation, and it has an amazing uh, Giles and Anya rescue. Episode five is 
beer bad. That's where Xander becomes a bartender. Oz feels a strange connection to Veruca. That's Black Forest, turns college students into Neanderthals. And uh, Willow confronts Parker, who's the bad boyfriend. Pre-ride. Episode six, Wild at Heart. That's where Spike gets tased and carried off and has the chip implant. Um, Oz gets out during a full moon and gets with Veruca. Willow plans her revenge spell, which ultimately leads to Oz killing Veruca to protect her. And then Oz drives off in a van, leaving the series for good. Uh, episode seven, that's the initiative. That's when Spike, AKA Hostile 17 is captive, gets the chip installed and uh, Willow helps Riley flirt with Buffy. Uh, super awkward party scene. Episode eight is Pangs. I'm just calling this one the weird Native American spirit episode. And moving on. Episode nine is something blue. Uh, that's the episode where uh, Willow almost becomes a demon, um, a, a revenge demon, and Spike and Buffy make out and plan a wedding uh, as a part of the revenge curse. It's amazing. Uh, episode 10, Hush. That's the quiet episode with the weird floating hush monsters. Super spooky. Episode 11, Doomed. That's the episode where Spike realizes he can't hurt demons. Uh, episode 12, a, a New Man. That's the surprise party for Buffy where uh, <laughs> Giles and Ethan Rain have a hang zone and Giles ends up cursed becoming a demon for a bit. Episode 13 is the Eye and Team. That's where Riley and Buffy have their fighting and sex montage and Walsh gets killed by Adam. Uh, episode 14, Goodbye Iowa. Uh, Riley can't accept initiative isn't awesome. And he goes through the Walsh drug withdrawal and that's the crazy reversal on uh, Riley's character. Uh, episode 15 is This Year's Girl. That's where Faith wakes up. Uh, anyway, it starts a two-parter with Who Are You? Episode 16 with the Buffy Faith body swap. Uh, where Faith has sex with Riley as Buffy, and the Watcher Council kidnaps Buffy as Faith. And then episode 17, Superstar, that's the Jonathan episode. Doesn't say anything else. So episode 18 is where the wild things are, that's the sexual frat house episode. Uh, episode 19, New Moon Rising, that's when Oz returns and gets kidnapped by the initiative. And uh, we have the Willow Terra uh, situation discussed in more detail. Uh, episode 20, The Yoko Factor. Uh, Spike tries to separate the team with the little lies on behalf of Adam, who says that he's going to remove the chip. Episode 21 is Primeval. That is the last episode of the arc that leads to the destruction of the initiative and Adam. And then episode 22 is the multi-part dream sequence with the first Slayer in it. So that is an overview of what happens episode by episode in season four. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you for that recap, Mike. You're welcome. I tried to make it as boring as possible. You're <laughs> All right. So let's move on to our list of uh, best episodes and worst episodes of the season. So we'll start with best and we'll start with Mike. Sure. So I think my favorite episodes of this season was This Year's Girl, the Who Are You two-parter. If I had to choose one, it would be This Year's Girl. But the reveal of Faith is handled so well when she comes back on the show. There's interesting callbacks to, you know, her previous um, situation with the mayor, you know, with the rattled weird videotape that gets played. There's an interesting device that we don't know what it does that ends up introducing a body swap. There's just so much good tension in that episode. And it's great to see these characters come back and and just the fear that Faith kind of like has instilled in Buffy and the, her whole and, and the whole Scooby gang is just awesome. I, that is got to be my top episode. I had the most fun watching that episode. And then I'm going to pick a second one because I can't help it. But the sheer surprise in Harsh Light of Day of the Spike and Harmony kind of relationship. Like I rewatched that episode immediately after seeing it. I needed to see it again because it was so funny and I was surprised how well Buffy could handle the show could handle such funny relationships. And it was something odd I had never seen on a show. So I, I just, that also didn't make me feel bad for the characters too much. I feel a little bad for harmony, but just really enjoyed that episode. Uh, it's, it's, it's really well handled and it also, it also induces a lot of nostalgia for college. So that one was fantastic. Nice. Good choices, Mike. Um, I, I wanted to just point out all the like um, world breaking episodes, I guess the ones that like the, where the, where they really take something new and they like, aren't trying to continue the story, but instead like just totally interrupt what a Buffy episode even is. So like, <coughs> sorry, Hush was like, to me, this, the real standout this season, like um, the totally silent episode with the gentleman come to town and everything. And then like restless is the dreams. The entire episode is a dream sequence. Um, uh, 
so I thought those were really good. Um, and Superstar also just like another like world breaking like like let's even change the the main credits. Um, so I think like like season four's main arc of like the initiative and stuff I find really uninteresting. But like one thing season four did really well to me was like just these really interruptive episodes um, where they got to get experimental. Like you could, it was almost like the the makers of the season didn't care about the season arc and spent the all their focus on these like experimental episodes. No, great points. I mean, do you think that they really, I mean, did they have to have a season arc? <laughs> I don't, yeah. It seems like they think they do. Um, it's not their strength, honestly. <laughs> oh, I, I have a rant about the season arc later. All right. <laughs> I think we've all got one of those in us. Uh, Trav, what do you think? What were your best episodes? So just because of, it was just such a fun, amazing episode with something blue. And again, it's also like a, it, it's like an inversion episode or putting things on its head. And it's not, it, it makes the actors do things they, they don't normally do. So it's just fun. And it just, instead of another, you know, dire episode where, you know, the world's going to end and this and that, it's like they get to freak out about other things. And, um, and Buffy's such a great actress that when you get her doing other things besides, you know, being this tortured hero, yeah, it's just so amazing. And it's just so fun and funny and is, and it's kind of inside. I mean, I've never gotten married, but as Mike said, you know, there's all these like wedding, like it feels like a legit, like someone's ranting about having a wedding they had to plan. Like it, it feels really funny from, from that angle too. So I love that. And I love this year's girl because uh, Faith is the best big bad Buffy's ever had hands down and like it's i still like when i see things from faith's perspective i'm like man she's it almost feels like you want to take her side even though she's such she's such a bad girl you know it's just like man like faith's version of reality is is like so t twisted towards her it's like it's amazing it's amazing she's having these nightmares of buffy killing her all the time like oh it's just so good it's just so good those are my and, and so those were like my two one. One was like the really fun something blue episode, and the other was the like big bad episode. So yeah, that's interesting choices. Like I wouldn't have considered putting something blue in there, but when you mention it, it's like it's almost sad to me we don't get to see more Sarah Michelle Geller comedy episodes. Yeah. Like she's so good at like the comedy in that in that episode. Uh, so I decided that if we're going to name best episodes, if I'm not going to say the same ones as everybody else, I need to go like full on hipster with it and be like, you know, no, yeah, Sergeant Peppers is good, but you know what's really good is Paul McCartney's first solo album, Ram. It's like really underrated. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to say that uh, I think some of my best episodes are, first of all, A New Man, which is a really nice one shot. And I think that's the one where uh, Giles turns into a monster. And it's just some really amazing Anthony Stewart head moments of him being a monster and the uh, the moment where he stops the car and gets out and scares Professor Walsh. It's, <laughs> it just works really, really well. Um, similarly, Restless, uh, I think, needs to be lifted up because I, I, there's a moment, it must have been a moment where they realized that the arc of this season was a kind of a failed experiment or a failed attempt. And to say, you know what, the season finale is not gonna be the arc ender it's going to be some other weird experimental thing that i just cooked up it's kind of a baller move so yeah, i really totally. like restless on that level yeah yeah i love that it's the season finale that makes it the <laughs> fact like it's weird enough to have a full dream episode but that it's also the season finale yeah. it is such a baller choice that's a good point john i it it felt crazy watching the first time i mean i couldn't believe it that's how they were gonna go out all right uh why don't we do worst episodes Lot to choose from this season. I think the worst episode this season for me was Goodbye Iowa, um, because that made me the most personally frustrated. Because it's the episode that really sacrifices Riley's character. There's that moment at Eddie's where Riley like pulls a gun on a random person because he's so drug addled, and like that that made me so angry <laughs> with Riley and the fact that Buffy was still empathetic to him, despite you know his kind of crazy actions. And like I mean, it's the power of love, guys. You know, you can you can help each other in the worst of times. But Goodbye Iowa is when this season is full on into this initiative storyline, and it's like, I don't care what you think about this. We are we are doing the initiative 
storyline. Riley <laughs> was being fed drugs and he has a brother who is a robot. And this is the story. And the professor is, was, he was TAing to, she's dead now. And so now Riley is going to eventually be the catalyst for the destruction of, you know, it's just like such a crazy drug-addled story and then to finally like let it play out it's just like a slow moving train wreck and this episode felt like the part where the train started colliding with the other train and like <laughs> i can't believe that they're committing to this terrible story concept the other episode that was rough for me was pangs and i believe it was pangs which is the weird native american spirit one and i think that that one just bothered me that they went with a native american storyline um with complete with like the you know the attack on, you know, Giles's homestead, you know, the house and stuff at the end, which was just a very strange one-off to do. And in a season with so many great one-offs, it was kind of like a meh kind of one. And it didn't really invert the characters or play with the characters much. So those are the two weakest ones for me. Uh, yeah, I, I picked Beer Bad, uh, which is the Buffy Becomes a Caveman episode, um, which was actually pretty fun to record with you guys. Uh, we had Jason Cooper on that episode. But like it's a mess of an episode, uh, and uh, where the wild things are, which was the fuck house episode. Um, <laughs> I mean, I found just a like, new appreciation for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really came to like that one. It's so they just, weird. <laughs> they just feel like such sloppy episodes, um, uh, and it's just it's just not Buffy at the, at its best. It's not the tight storytelling I want for Buffy. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I chose Where the Wild Things Are and Goodbye, Iowa. There's great, there's great consensus between, between us so far. <laughs> and I think I complained about them during the time. But yeah, for me, the same problems. You know, uh, Riley's character is an awful character, and yet Buffy still you know, forgives him, and they explain all these, these, all these insane things that he's done. And, and then Where the Wild Things Are is just so terrible. Yeah. I loved Beer Bad. I like how you listed it as a terrible episode. I love Beer Bad. Like that's one of my favorite memories of season four. Even though I didn't make the best episode, it's it's one of my favorite memories. I, I feel similarly about um, where the wild things are that you think about Beer Bad. Like, yeah. I feel like uh, it's not my favorite, but it certainly is not on my like least favorite list because it's an episode that does some really wonky, weird stuff. And I at least appreciate it on that level that like we get the, um, the tortured children and we get the orgasm wall. Like there's just, uh, there's so much in that episode that is if not good, at least memorable. Like I'm not gonna forget that episode anytime soon. That's true. And yeah, and you also did discover uh, all the weird writing that went into the newspaper clippings. Indeed, yeah. I will never forget yeah. it for that reason alone. Mike's Mike's rap has done a lot for that episode. Like, <laughs> his, his rap really has elevated that episode in my mind. <laughs> that episode has that great Xander Anya moment where they kind of team up to go after the like tentacle plant, you know, creature. The and, and like that's such a that's such a good like emotional moment that doesn't belong in an otherwise super weird episode. <laughs> Agree. Uh. Um, my actual worst episodes, um, I mean, officially, like, listen, Beer Bad and Pangs are probably my actual worst ones, but because I'm going to be the complete hipster about it, I'm going to be like, here are the deep tracks of worst episodes. Um, <laughs> my uh, deep tracks of worst episodes are Primeval and Yoko Factor, which is kind of a two-parter in a way. Um, I think Yoko Factor comes first. Anyway, mm -hmm. it's, I think I hate it for the exact same reason that you guys hate Goodbye, Iowa, which is that the arc is so unwatchable. And not only is it like hard to watch that arc like start, but it's also really hard to watch it finish because it's uh, primeval pretends to be this grand finish to the whole thing. And oh, Adam gets killed and there's explosions and everything, uh, but it, no one cares. And it's really painful to watch no one care. Yeah. I think calling it as like a playset is like, <laughs> like very accurate to what primeval felt like. Just yeah, it just doesn't like um, it doesn't belong in Buffy to me. This this kind of episode or the, these this kind of villain and this kind of like setup. I also really super hate Buffy's yellow eyes. Like they tried to go for like godlike powers, but it just looks like, girl, you got jaundice eyes. Like, 
<laughs> well, it, the episode, it doesn't belong because Adam doesn't have any relationship with Buffy. There's yeah, no reason right. for them to be fighting. It's Riley's monster that Riley needs to fight, but right. he has to fight him for some reason. It's like these characters, like Faith is such a strong villain, as you know we said earlier, because it's like that's, that's a good yeah. antagonist for Buffy. Adam, it's just like, oh, there's the boss at the end of the level? Cool. Yeah, totally. It's almost like there should be like a whole parallel show that's just the Riley Adam show that no one would ever want to watch. <laughs> it's a webisode. <laughs> I like the like just calling Adam Riley's monster because like that's like Frankenstein's monster, but it's also speaks to like how lame it is because like that title doesn't sound great at all. Riley's monster. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's not even a webisode. It would be the cartoon that you get in a pack of gum. <laughs> It's like Bazooka yeah. Joe. Like it's yeah, Bazooka Joe's got more street cred than this. this yeah. monster, but Initiative Riley has an eye patch. Yeah, but that's that's the level. That would be the level, and that's not me shitting on cartoons. That's just me shitting on bubblegum. I think uh, shitting on bubblegum should be the name of your uh, solo podcast, Travis. Shitting on bubblegum with Travis Morris and Mikel. Ooh, oh man, that's like when you report your subscribers to the police as 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 a concerned citizen. It's like I don't know who signed up for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a sting podcast to find creeps. It's a it's a real sting podcast. Uh, I got asked the question for best worst monster. Um, so best, I think by like a country mile is the gentleman. Like. <laughs> They're just so solid, and it's also no offense to like the the monster men who played like played most of the monsters, but they're mostly I think like stunt men and stuff. And so this one they actually hired like monster men. So it was Doug Jones and Troy Camden, and they like really put their full perform their full like physicality into the performance. And um, it's not so much that like that makeup is better, because um, in the case of the non like focus gentlemen it's actually not great but like just the performance is great and the, i mean the monster makeup is good um uh, giles as a demon i also thought was uh really good like both both like in terms of his acting and i think Stuart head actually has a face to be a demon like he's got that big head that like looks great with horns on it uh, <laughs> uh, it's also nice to see the return of the hoffren um and I like I think the Kathy monster, the Kathy demon is kind of like generic Buffy at this point. It hits all of the like generic styles of Buffy, but it's cool when the face mask gets ripped off. Um I think that design looked cool. And like Kathy's the worst, so it's fun. Like her as a demon is fun. Um and then worst, I mean, I think there probably were visually worse monsters somewhere in the season in the background or something, but like Adam or like Adam. <laughs> put that in your improv <laughs> forest as a monster is also really terrible um so those two are like just the worst like not only in terms of like visual looks but personality garbage uh i thought the demons from the episode doomed were just like too generic and like like um like almost forgettable so that's why i put them in there so that's my assessment of the season's monsters. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> uh, was I? Oh yeah, I was chiming in that I really like the makeup on Buffy from Beer Bad. Like her that's really interesting. I feel like they chickened out on Beer Bad. That's part of why I don't like the episode. Is she didn't. I mean, she didn't go full cave woman. That's what but, I want. But it was like, it was really dramatic and cool. And it's like, and she acted all crazy in the episode. I mean, I love that episode. <laughs> Again, that is like showing off SMG's comedic chops in a fun way. Hilarious uh, way. Her spinning on the um, chair. You're good. Oh yeah, spinning on the chair, and then like her drawing on the wall, like just oh man, like uh. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I mean, it's just crazy. All right, fine. That no, it is a crazy like alternate dimension that I would have it's like never imagined. I want to be become like possessed like beer bad at like one point. And just like really let loose. Maybe like that's my whole fantasy. <laughs> it's just like, I'm always looking for the black frost on the menu, but it's never there. I did like it took Rich uh, to point out that like uh, one of the caveman from uh, Beer Bad shows up in Where the Wild Things Are. That guy makes really the best appearances on the show on such solid episodes. 
So, um, Michael, you get asked the question, what was the most shocking, uh, what was most shocking this season as a first time viewer? Yeah. So the most shocking thing is I've seen more half, more than half of the show at this point. And then I get it. I I like the show. It's fun to watch. And also I get how to pitch the show to other people now a little bit, which is that it has a stupid name and a stupid premise, but it's all about the characters. And it's hard to sell a show when you say like, oh, the characters are awesome. Like, I mean, it's just, they are. They're great characters and they're a lot of fun to watch them in all their iterations. But just watching the show for the story parts, it's like, oh yeah, they fight vampires. Like, I don't, no one cares. Um, (laughs) But I'm shocked how forgettable for season four. I mean, this season, what was shocking is how forgettable and destructible the initiative is. It got built up like it was going to be this big story arc that was going to be really meaningful. And it wasn't, at least to me as a viewer, it felt like very forgettable. And the fact that they just fill the place up with concrete and move on is insane how how unimportant that was. I mean, you have this crazy DARPA-like organization that's experimenting with monsters, but it's uh, staffed by idiots who can barely TA a psychology course. I mean, it's like, it's just the wrong people doing the wrong things. It's super disappointing. So I was shocked about that because like I I was I was really looking forward to a, a big meaty story in this show. And then when it turned out to really be fizzled, that was really sad. Uh I prefer the other okay, I got more points here. I prefer the one-offs to the main arc of the story. And that was a little shocking how good the one-offs are. And maybe that's like a 90s mentality for TV viewing, but it's like, shit, these one-offs are great. And I, it's totally impacted the way I watch other television because I'm now really enjoying single episodes of shows. Like when there's a good one, I'm like, oh, that was a good solid story from beginning to end told in 40 minutes or whatever the case is for new television. Yeah. Welcome to uh, the X-Files method of viewing. Oh, totally. And I'm, uh, alternatively, I'm shocked how much I enjoyed Angel. Uh, so I, you know, we'll do a separate Angel podcast after this, but uh, Angel has none of the back the baggage that Buffy does. And it's just- well, I mean, after one season, yeah. <laughs> Well, it doesn't have the same baggage of uh, an explanation in the viewer's mind about there being vampires slaying. Like, Angel has a show concept, like, Angel, oh, he's a detective, and he fights a redemption arc of some kind. Like, they just throw in crazy stories in Angel. Every episode feels like a one-off. It's it's a really exciting and stupid show to watch. I mean, stupid, like, it's not thoughtful. I think it is thoughtful, but I, I feel like they that universe... It, it exists alongside the Buffy universe um, in an interesting way, which I w- I'm excited to look look into more. Um, and I'm, I, this is just like an adult thing. I'm, one thing I have uh, was shocked is how tired I am of school as a backdrop for shows. It's like this bizarre limitation that prevents these characters from, from, for me really liking these characters is because their fixation on school. Uh, I would like shows to, I would like a show like this to happen, a Buffy-like show, without school. There could be a community college, maybe if someone works at a school, but like not school being the main story for why we're all together. Yeah, uh, I get it. I mean, especially like we watched four seasons of of school. Yeah, uh, and it does feel. I I, I agree because it, it feels like you know as a culture we're obsessed with youth, right? So that has to take place in school. Yeah, that's an interesting observation, Mike. Oh, thank you. But I'm going well, to keep watching Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep watching Sabrina. <laughs> Sorry, I just immediately pictured the, uh, the Melissa Joan Hart version. Yeah. Which, is, which is good. <clears throat> just different. Wow, so Travis, how has this watch through affected how you think about season four? Well... I wrote everything down, so I'm going to say it real quick. So I definitely like the season a lot more after re- re-watching it, because previously I used to just re-watch seasons one to two, um, which sounds weird for a show that has seven seasons, why someone would keep cycling through one and two. But I did. Not even go up to three. Three is really emotional. So, and then five is five, and we're going to get to five. And five has actually been my ultimate, my ultimate season of drama and everything. Uh, but that's also tough to watch sometimes. And my main gripe about season four was that Buffy had moved on from Angel so quickly in this in this in the season. But there apparently was a deleted scene where Buffy does talk to Willow about how she's not over Angel, 
I wish that was in this season because I think that would have really made me like the season a lot more if they really had stated that. But, but apparently that's true. You know, that was true in the script and just got cut. Uh, there, that season was filmed for the side. That scene was filmed. It was cut from the episode. Um, and I said, I think the best episodes are the one that invert the natural order in season four, beer bad, something blue, hush, a new man. Who are you? Superstar with the exception for harsh light of day, new moon, resin and wild at heart, which are more traditional Buffy type episodes. Um, and I think the reason that I like those episodes, because we discussed the season four arc with Adam and Walsh is not good. It just, it, Adam Walsh Riley is just not good. Season one had the master, which was an excellent arc, had poor individual episodes. Season two had ex poor individual episodes, but an excellent arc uh, with a evil angel. Season three with the mayor, of course. So in my opinion, season four should have, they should have rearranged the episodes so that it ended with the two-parter when Faith wakes up. That to me should have been the end of season four. In my opinion, that would have been really cool. Um, and um, so I, I think this season also shows that you can have really good individual episodes, but overall you have to have a good big bad for the season, make it really, really memorable. Um, and my unsung, and the other issue was that the end of season four, it looked a lot like, um, like, like a Marvel movie from like the 1990s or early 2000s before Marvel became, was bought by Disney because like the budget is all wrong. The, like the, the scenes are all wrong. It's, it's like this weird military and, and mutants or demons. It just doesn't work. Like, it's like, a, it's like, I don't want to say, I don't want to be like, up and call like the Ang Lee version of the Hulk, but I mean, it's like, it just, like, or, or, um, like the 1990 know. Captain America with Salvador's yeah. son. Yeah, it's like this doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, my my hero, the real unsung hero, is season four's upgraded Witchy Willow. So, um, and I I didn't remember her and her and her and um, Tara moving so slowly, but they were. It was like a really slow romantic development. I, in my mind, I sped it all up, but so that was kind of surprising. Um, and I'd say they're more more better episodes this season than season one, but the ending of season one is still so much better than the ending of season four. End rant. All right, thanks for that review. Yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, best new character, guys. Mikey? Well, I think it's Tara is the best new character for season four. She's sure. fantastic. She's fantastic. She's interesting. She's an, a unique pair for Willow. I, I mean, besides the fact that it's progressive for humanity in general to have a, uh, a romantic um, pairing with Tara and Willow, she's just an interesting character. Um, she allows Willow to be a stronger character because we have another person to pick on um, to like turn into <laughs> a damsel in distress, um, which I appreciate. And then I just have to have a special mention here for Sunday, the vampire who's in the first episode of season four. I wish Sunday was in this show more. She reminds me of the kind of character that was in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, just like a vampire that's well-grounded in, in not only uh, like her, her self as a vampire, but just like has an interesting point of view and like feels to embodify the kind of vampire you might find at a hot topic or something just like, <laughs> Like a manager of Hot Topic, not just an employee. Like she really, <laughs> like somebody who's fully committed to Hot Topic, fully committed to a lifestyle. But she's she's fascinating. I would love to have seen more from that character. I feel like Sunday was like if you could write like a fan fiction crossover of Mean Girls in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like Sunday would be like the main character in that fan fiction crossover because she was like really ruthlessly mean. Uh, you also have this other list of other characters created this season. Oh, I just uh, wanted to remind people about some of the other characters so that they realize who these, you know, how the two characters are up against. But, you know, Riley Finn was a big character for this season. And I, he doesn't, he, for me, is not the best new character. Riley's kind of overall kind of milquetoast, a little bit boring. I'm sure he's going to continue to be a part of the show for a bit um, through season five, it sounds like. Uh, I, I'm not really excited about Riley's story. I, it hits that, you know, moment in goodbye iowa where you know riley versus riley versus the initiative happens but then he ultimately doesn't confront adam so i feel like he doesn't get the the story arc that he needs as a character to really move forward i mean his confrontation with adam it's like well adam's superior the, yeah uh, I was, like like even his emotional arc is like like at the end his confrontation is like i can't move <laughs> i can't express emotions 
you know, and then he has that unique moment where he sleeps with Faith as Buffy, you know, and I, I don't feel like, you know, he's somewhat remorseful and stuff, but it doesn't really move his character forward. There is one exciting moment for Riley, which is when, you know, he re- leaves the initiative and then kind of becomes the radical revolutionary Riley. I'm an anarchist. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't yeah. really lead the way that he needs to lead for that to, like, for me to really fall in with him as a character. Yeah, it'd be great if he started, like, like spray painting, like, who initiates the initiative? <laughs> if he start tagging things around town, like, beware the initiative, or, you know, it's just, like, like tagging messages, like, yeah, they say they disbanded the initiative, but I got I to gotta tag. You know what's crazy is that both um, Xander and um, Riley have had stuff with Faith. But, like, it would have been hilarious if they had talked about it or something, or, like, because... Because it wouldn't because they're just such weird male characters. Um, I, I just realized that. I've and, never put that together before. Yeah, right. Isn't that because you know Xander would say something? I'm glad that didn't weird. happen. No, well, I'm just saying like it, it'd be weird if like I I could I would totally believe like Xander trying to male bond with yes, Riley by being yes. like, how about when Faith like chokes you when you're having sex? Yeah, right? He's like, how about how about that Faith? She's a real wild girl, right? Or something or something like that. Yeah. Or like, like did, I heard about, you know, you and Faith. Did she try to choke you too? And it would be great if he was like, no. <laughs> like, like that was just the thing that Xander was, that a horrible thing that was done to Xander. Um, like, and that would make Xander's character even better. But um, just because he's such an unlucky guy. I think Riley's character sucks. Not because we're against Mark Lucas or we have like any beef with that. Um, it just he he didn't have like the right character development. That's all. That's all we're beefing with, is is that like other things should have happened to that character, and they didn't. And then it doesn't work. And that's just that. Um, now I want to give my own plug. There's a kitten they adopted this season, and when I watched the episode with the kitten, I did rewatch it a couple times because it was like an amazing cat video. Like it became all of a sudden like a, a like officially sponsored like cat video. It was great. Uh, yeah, you also, you brought up, uh, shit, I'm having a hard time finding his, um, you brought up, uh, Eddie, uh, who was the, of human bondage guy, <laughs> and, uh, should we give a shout out to that guy, and he's such, like, a, uh, wimpy guy in this show, but it actually took the other, the buffering pass, cast to point it out for me to notice, he's, uh, a guy in Game of Thrones, he's, oh. like, the dude who gets his head crushed by the mountain, um, so he's like a badass on that show. Uh, not so much on Buffy. I mean, here's a good question. What is the point of Giles and Xander this season? Uh. All right, I'll, I'll take that because I, my, my question is, why is Giles dating this? She looks really young. I mean, I'm sorry. The woman that Giles is dating looks really, really young. And it's like, he yeah. I mean, she doesn't look as young as like Buffy or anything. She looks about Buffy age. To me, to me, she looks about Buffy's age. Oh, she's a grown up. Well, yeah, Buffy's I mean, like she's 24. definitely younger than Giles, but. <laughs> yes, Buffy is grown up because in real life, she's around 24 at this time. So, yes. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I think Olivia is uh, an appropriate, seems appropriate for Giles to date. I, I, she doesn't read to me as so, so much younger. She looks. She is not age appropriate, but, but also. <laughs> I mean, she looks. At least as old as Jenny Calendar. Also, I like the idea that like he, we see all this because was being a fake librarian too time consuming? Like he didn't have a real job, but it's like he's got to be out of work to be like, you know, dating Giles or, you know, I, like I don't remember seeing her in season three. Maybe we did see. No. 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 Also, did he, my big question to you all, did he tell Olivia what happened to his last girlfriend in his house that he still lives in? Because I think that I, I mean I think that's what you do. You have to dis- disclose what happened. I, I think hundred percent. I doubt he did not disclose. I mean I I do not believe he disclosed what happened to his last girlfriend and where it happened. So, the actress uh, Pino Rouge was born in uh, nineteen seventy two. Anthony Stewart Head was born in nineteen fifty four. That is a wow. healthy age difference. That is a healthy age. Difference. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. When was uh, the actress who played Jenny Calendar born? She's of the Calderash people. I don't know. Let me me help. Calderash clan. Um, She was born in 1970, so she's a little bit older. But she looked uh, young as well. Like 
Jenny Calendar also looked well, but she also well, she was also like the yes, same age as Cordelia. Like, yeah. But do you think he told Olivia what happened to Jenny? He has to mention it at some point. He has to talk about what happened. It's a legitimate risk. It's a risk. He lives on the Hellmouth. His last girlfriend was murdered because of the Hellmouth. Like if he lived in Cleveland, well, not Cleveland. <laughs> if he lived somewhere else where there was no Hellmouth, sure, you don't have to disclose what happened when you were living on the Hellmouth. <laughs> I mean, she knows he has a past. She calls him the Ripper. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think there's something interesting about like the two like male leads in this series are like totally like lost this season, right? Uh, there's something there. Yeah, um, I actually think that's not a that's not a weakness of this season at all. I think it's actually really interesting that both Giles and Xander are feel feel very up in the air and lost throughout the whole thing. I think that's legitimate character work. Yeah. I don't feel like that's a, a weakness of writing at all. Yeah, and there's definitely like we've I I think we've all had periods in our lives where we've felt adrift, absolutely uh, out of focus from our from our calling. Yeah, I feel like I'm living in that world now, so it's hard to comment. Like, yep, <laughs> adrift. I'm like a librarian without a library. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Do we want to move on to predictions? Virgin Predictions. We do have quite a bit to go over because it's a new, is the end of a season. There's always a lot to do at the end of a season. So predictions it is. Um, okay, Mike. Uh, so far, we have 119 predictions that have been confirmed, 17 predictions that have been denied, 141 predictions that are currently open, and, sorry, 141 open predictions. And that's out of the 74 episodes we've watched so far, give or take. That gives you, Mike, an accuracy rating of around 62%. So we'll see how you fare moving forward. So let's see. Uh, starting here. Um, way back at the very beginning of season two, Mike predicted that the gang would get a better headquarters than the library. So I thought this would be a good time to stop and say, okay, I think at this point the gang is hanging out at Giles's place. That seems to be their default hangout. Have we not is, already addressed this? We Not directly. Is that okay. a better headquarters than the library? What do you guys think? Is it better is the question. Uh, well, by the rules of like, vampires can't attack it as easily because they need yep. to be let in. Because it's a uh, home. It's better. Um, although Spike can just enter whenever he wants because Giles never locks the door. Uh, <laughs> And he, like, Giles has been attacked by random de demons this season who just, like, pop out from the bathroom. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, and the house was under attack by an Indian, like, <laughs> a Indian ghosts. They made it okay. I, there's defensible couches there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got, a bath, it's got a bathtub, a refrigerator, um, a couch, a TV. I mean, it's an upgrade. Faith knows exactly where it is. That's great. Yeah, that's not, okay. Not a great so, thing. Dennis, it sounds like you're saying it's it's an improvement. Yeah, I guess it's an improvement. Okay, Travis, <laughs> you're saying it's an improvement. It's an improvement. Yeah. Okay, we'll go ahead and confirm that one. They got a better headquarters in the library. Well done. But they Mike. don't have the library cage. They don't have like all the. But they chained yeah, them up. Yeah, that's true. They don't house. have the cage. But they, but they have, oh they have a bathtub or whatever they put yeah. Spike in. <laughs> they chained them up to that. That worked fine. Michael, also in the beginning of season three, season three, episode five, you predicted that there was going to be no Slayer Fest 99 in season four as the companion to Slayer Fest 98. That was not going to happen. So I believe that is confirmed. I've been saying you, we should have confirmed that back when, <laughs> the, like when we moved to the year 2000 within the show. <laughs> we got to take care of it sometime. Uh, let's see. Okay. At the beginning of this season, uh, or at the end of the last season, rather, you predicted that Buffy will have a dream about Angel in season four. Now, I don't know. Did this happen, guys? I really honestly can't recall it happening or not. We saw no dream. All right, that one's denied. Uh, also at the end of season three, Michael predicted that the Watcher Council would be the big bad in season four. That obviously did not happen either, although I think we all wish it did. 
Uh, I almost want to give him half a point because the Watcher Council was not only on Buffy, but also an episode of Angel. Yep. But, but it can't. I know we can't. Yep. We all, we all wish that that was, that was a bigger part of the, the story than it is. Um, also, the end of season three, Mike predicted that Buffy and Spike would have sex in season four. That did not happen. As far as we know, there was the, um, the whole uh, something blue where you know, there may have been off-screen shenanigans, but I think we are going to go ahead and deny that one. I mean, okay. Giles was blind at the time. Uh, so we're not going to address Buffy will not study law enforcement in college? Uh, she's still in college? She could still study law enforcement? <laughs> <laughs> just give me the point. Dennis, <laughs> I mean, she could. She could start studying law enforcement at any time, Dennis. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so also the very, very first episode of season four, Mike predicted that the snipers from the end of that episode would be connected with the big bad from this season. And that is certainly true. Those were initiative snipers. So that's confirmed. That's such a vague prediction. Okay. But uh, connected. season four, episode eight, Mike predicted that Spike will have his chip removed in season four. That has not happened. So that is denied. That's because Adam is so irresponsible and a terrible leader. He promised. Season four, episode 16, Michael predicts that Riley will not be strong enough to protect Buffy. I feel like this happened. Actually, we probably should have got, handled this a little bit earlier. Um, I feel like this is confirmed. What do you guys say? Yeah, Riley's yeah. not strong. <laughs> okay, that's confirmed. Okay. Season four, episode 20. Riley is going to die this season. I assume I've already <laughs> predicted this. I did not predict this earlier, um, but also Riley did not die this season. So that is denied. From season four, episode 21, and it states, it will be revealed that Buffy didn't like having a demon in her body during Primeval. Now, Dennis, you feel like this is a denial and please explain why. Um, well, because first of all, it turned out to not be a demon in her body. It was like the, uh, um, what do you call it? The first Slayer. Right. Um, and I think Buffy never, like, at, right at the beginning of Restless, she was like, I'm jazzed. Like, I feel energetic from this. She's not like, I'm disgusted with what happened. At the end, they're like, we can't use this spell again because, like, the first is going to try to kill us again. But she's not like, I feel abused or anything. Like, she, the reveal that she didn't like it never happened to me. That was that is That makes sense to me. Michael, do you want to make your case? Can't argue with the fact that it's not a demon and that it's uh, <laughs> the first Slayer and that must be an angel or something amazing. First Slayer is a fucking reckless cave person that's like portrayed as an aboriginal goddess of some kind. Yeah, I, I feel like there is a negative consequence. My, my implication was that there would be a negative <laughs> consequence uh, to it. But no, Buffy apparently did like having it and felt empowered by it. But there were negative consequences to it, which was the main. I, I'm I'm okay with this being denied, but I, the the point was that this spell is too powerful. They would use this all the time if they could. There has to be a negative consequence for it. I made the focus on Buffy, which was wrong. It should have been on that there'll be just negative consequences to using the this incredible magic. Which they oh used. well. See, you are playing the Buffy predictions connotation game. We're all playing the denotation game. And in the denotation game, you're denied. <laughs> so that leaves you, Michael, with an accuracy rating of 61. So you dropped a full percentage point today, my friend. I will stay above 50. That's all I got. I'll stay ah, above is that all you're holding yourself to? <laughs> I can't get back up to 100. <laughs> so at this point um i think michael you should make some uh, broad predictions about what will happen the broad strokes of season five i'll make some broad strokes opinions about season, season five but i feel like i have some maybe uh do i have anything about season five yet because i don't want to do the thing where i uh i don't think so great okay well here you go oh wait you do say i'm sorry you do the one prediction you have about season five okay you have two one is that Xander will get a real bed by the end of season five. <laughs> Go for Xander. Here's rooting for Xander. 
another is that Buffy will have a Thanksgiving episode in season five. Those are your two predictions about season five so far. Okay. Um, so on a broad level, I still believe the Watcher Council is the bad guys. The Watcher Council will be the big bad in season five. I am... <laughs> obviously not. Uh, Travis just, just denied that prediction. What make, what? I just want to know what makes you think that. That's... That's all I want to know. The Watcher Council appears to be little dudes who are almost incompetent, but very scary feeling. Um, they seem like people that would coordinate a big bad. I don't, they, they seem like polit politicians, you know, paramilitary organization of some kind of supernatural weirdos that might put together a atom like monster or series of monsters or put together some actions that like reopen the Hellmouth or something messed up to create the big bad. So I'm sure on this podcast, I will be wrong because, oh, actually it was those demons from hell, not the Watcher Council that opened the Hellmouth. So I, that's the, that's the problem I have with this prediction, but the Watcher Council will set into motion the big bad in season five. The Watcher Council will do something that will create the big bad for season five. And I don't mean it literally created physically manifested. It could be a person, but it, it could be an, could be a lot of minions could be something terrible, but the watcher council, they're AWOL, they're crazy. They're an X factor. And they're one of the few remaining X factors from the previous seasons that could do something weird. So I think the Watcher council is still in play. They appeared on angel. They're going to do something that could, that is going to kick out, kick up the big bad in season five. The Watcher Council will bring about the Big Bad in season five. Yeah. Okay. And I'm probably going to have to trace it on a board full of, you know, tiny pictures and, and yarn to show the connections between it. But the Watcher Council will bring the Big That's Bad in season five. Part. I yeah. look forward to that. Change it to the Watcher Council will be involved with uh, bringing about the big bad or the watcher season or the watcher council will be i'm trying to i'm trying to save you some legal troubles i'm trying to say we're going to rewrite this legally it's just gonna be the watcher council will be involved with the big bad in season four in season five in some way okay that, that clarifies legally some what just am i doing they're just involved the watcher council will be involved in some way with the big bad. I'm a little disturbed about the precedent of Travis dictating predictions to Michael. <laughs> I, I like it. I like having a lawyer in the I'm room. Clearing up his legal wrangling so that the Watcher Council will involved. be involved. Will be involved. The Watcher Council would be a party to in some way. Involved a party to. No, no, dude, we can say we can get rid of involved. We'll just say the Watcher Council will be a party to the big bad in season five. This is some bullshit, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to save us from six months from now us wrangling about a prediction. By, by front-loading the wrangling. But mm -hmm. he can predict anything. You can't let him predict the language? You're the one predicting it. You're I mean, right now you're predicting something so vague. There will be conflict in season five. There will be conflict, yeah. I also... Every episode will have conflict. Okay. Or it might be right that Harmony was going to be involved or, you know, other vague things. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty clear. I'm just trying to distill what he means. I, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to clarify this prediction because it's an issue. All right. And I think the term big bad is going to hurt because that's, that's a wrong, that's a, that's a terrible term that's super, that's vague, but specific. The Watcher Council will create a monster, will We'll create a monster in season five. They will create a monster of some kind. Create a, uh, yeah, they'll create a monster in season five. There you go. Now, if they literally create it, that if they, they just bring a monster to town, that counts to me. If they open a portal to hell, that counts. Like, I think the, the Watcher Council will create some kind of monsters in season five. I don't know if it's going to be the big bad. I think there are a couple of other things in play in this show that they could bring back beyond the Watcher Council. But the Watcher Council seems to me like they just need to be nailed down. They're going to do something. They're dangerous. Um, 
I wrote the Watcher Council will affect a monster in season five. They'll inspire a monster. <laughs> bring forth, bring forth, bring forth. Yeah, they're bringing a monster to the party. They'll bring, they'll do something. They will stuff. bring forth a monster in season five. Angel will appear on season five. They still need to make this crossover important. Um, they still need to make Buffy and Angel connected as shows. Clearly, Angel continues, I believe, after Buffy is off the air as its own thing. Uh, but for now, they're combined. Their stories need to be relevant. There will be a multi-part Buffy-Angel crossover. Uh, do you have any predictions about like um, specific characters, like anything for Willow, Tara, Xander? Well, Riley and, Bru Bu Riley and Buffy will break up in season five. Xander is going to find a, a meaningful job that he's going to keep for more than one episode. That's the definition of a career in Xander's world. Okay. <laughs> Two episode job. <laughs> uh, Giles will start a job also. He's going to stop being retired. Um, I think he's still a librarian. I think that's who he is. Giles is going to start working at a library. I don't know if it's at the college campus. I don't know if he's going to, can I, can I amend this? Sorry. Because he could open a bookstore too. Um, Giles will start a new job that will have something to do with his, his uh, knowledge of the occult. Uh, that's too vague. Because I, I think he could be a librarian, but I think he could also run a bookstore or like an occult gift shop or something like that. So it's just like, he will, he will get a job. Giles will get a job. <laughs> <laughs> Delivering pizzas, could be. Books uh -huh. will be involved. Yeah. Um, Giles's house will be destroyed in season five because we need to find a new headquarters still. I'm not ha not satisfied with Giles's place as the headquarters. Tara and Willow will, there's a lot of things. They're going to kiss on camera instead of just the hugs. We're going to get a Tara Willow kiss on camera. No, not you do already have a prediction about that. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> We're on the same page with past Michael. <laughs> so the Tara and Willow characters need to develop more. We want to see more with them. So like, Tara, I think, is a good witch. I think Willow is kind of a dark witch, an evil witch. You know, they've got these different kind of energies. Um, obviously, those things are going to develop more. But they can do spells on their own, but the combined spells are really powerful. So in Season 5, we're going to see a Tara-Willow spell that is going to break the world, like a combined spell. So we have these world-breaking one-off episodes. I don't know how we describe what those are. Tara and Willow are going to break the world with a spell together. Um, but in a good way. And supposed to the inverted world that we get where things are bad, this will be a world where things are good. So Tara and Willow will create, an create a good world in season five for one episode. Tara and Willow will do a combined spell that will break the world in a good way. Yeah. Uh, also, Tara and Willow will have magical sex. They're going to use magic to enjoy each other's bodies. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, so we know exactly what you Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? They're both, they're both sorceresses. Why wouldn't we explore what that would look like? Any uh, predictions about college or um, Buffy's life? I, I mean, this is interesting because she's going to be with Riley for a little bit for part of season five. And then Riley, they'll break up. And then she's going to get with Spike for, it's, you know, in some way. Spike's going to get the AI chip removed, you know, in, in probably magically removed at this point since Adam isn't around and nobody from the initiative is there. And they're the people that did the procedure. So, and then our big bad will emerge, which, you know, will be slightly triggered by the Watcher Council, but some kind of monster. I feel like the Hellmouth, you know, that gets mentioned a lot. That's still in play. I think the Hellmouth could reopen through inadvertent, you know, moves on the Watcher Council's part. So if the Hellmouth reopens, uh, it's going to take a while for us to figure out that that's what happened. Because, like, we don't really deal with monsters from other places, even though LA is full of monsters as well. So if Hellmouth reopens, then... Um, then there's going to be some monsters afoot. I think I predicted that Joyce is going to die this season. So Joyce will be killed by something from the Hellmouth. Then Buffy's in a vengeance streak against everything. So she's AWOL and dangerous. That's probably when Riley, you know what? I think that's probably when she and Riley break up because Riley will have no capacity to understand the emotions that Buffy is experiencing. And then uh, that's when she's going to be drawn to someone like Spike when she's in the like bad girl downturn. And then, Buffy might die again, which would produce another Slayer because you can only die temporarily. Uh, this is one really large prediction. No, no, I'm just like going over like what I think could happen in the thing. So I don't know. Buffy's arc is weird this season in season five in my imagine my brain, <laughs> just <a laughs> imagination. 
this is about, um, you know, this is going to be an unstable season for Buffy's romantic life. Like in a continued story, Buffy is still not going to find her permanent partner this season. She's going to be bouncing. So I, I don't know how to articulate this into enough. I feel like you just made like 20 predictions that we could have. Yeah, there's a through. lot it was, there. It was a stream of consciousness prediction, really. I mean, you should. I think Buffy will die in season five again, but not permanently. She'll be resurrected maybe by Terra Willow magic or something, but she'll be back. I think we can leave it there. I think that's a lot of good predictions. We got a big pile of predictions there. Great. Everyone's happy with the pile. Well, any predictions for Kitty Fantastica? Oh, the cat. Oh, the cat will uh, be turned into um, a familiar, a helpful familiar <laughs> and will uh, fight a monster in season five. That's it for predictions. All right. Uh, I don't think we wrote anything down for themes, really, um, since we've covered themes a lot this season. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, why don't we just end things? Um, uh, I hope you've been enjoying this season. Um, stay tuned next week where we're going to recap the back half of Angel season one uh, and do more predictions. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the episode after that, we're going to start season five. Yeah, we're going to be rolling right, right along. Um, so I want to just have a special shout out to our audience. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to us uh, and sending your comments. We really appreciate them. Uh, so keep doing that. Um, and please give us ratings on iTunes and other machines. Uh, and uh, I've been your host. And uh, you can catch us in hell where we'll see you.